What are you doing in one hour? Drizzly, you're getting your favorite beer, wine, and spirits delivered right to your door from Drizzly. Drizzly is the most convenient way to buy beer, wine, and spirits with delivery to your doorstep in under 60 minutes. Right now, Drizzly is giving new customers $5 off their first order with code FAST5. Go download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com. And use promo code FAST5 for $5 off your first order. They drink in with Gary and Elliot. They drink in with Gary and Elliot. They drink in with Gary and Elliot. Elliot? Yeah? Let me tell you something. Please. When you said, Gary... And I believe you call me Gary. I did, yes. That is your When you said, Gary... Let's have the single, the, the, at least the single, perhaps the double, most technologically advanced guests we could ever have on the show. Yeah. Uh-huh. When you said that, I said, yeah. Uh-huh. Let's do that. Yep. But more than that, <laughs> let's make sure that every bit of our equipment breaks down. Yes, you did. And I said, I'm not going to let that stop us. I said, I'm going to let it stop us. <laughs> and then I didn't. I said, if that equipment breaks down, mm-hmm. let's all get on our telephones. Yep. Let's say I have an iPhone 10. Okay. And what would you have? I have a, an iPhone 8 Plus. And, and Andrew, what would you have? Samsung Galaxy S8 Plus. The Samsung Galaxy. I said, let's use those instead of microphones. Why? Microphones are dead to us. That's right. I don't care for a microphone, even though I'm talking into one, technically. Well, okay. Yes. Other microphones are dead. Fancy to us. microphones. Fancy microphones are dead to us. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> welcome to the show, Elliot. Gary. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce the heck out of this show that is now being recorded on our television. We're just doing it down and dirty. Just like cavemen did. Just like cavemen. <laughs> yep. Just Andrew, like I don't the know cavemen. If you know much about cavemen recording their podcast. Yep. Did they talk into phones in cups? They talked they into phones all the time. All the time. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yep. <laughs> cavemen and cave women. Oh. <laughs> I'm not gonna look, I'm not gonna categorize all cavemen as uh-uh. cavemen. It's like there was everybody there's a full gender spectrum of of, of cave people. Let me I'm just tell you this right talk now. Talk about that. Before you go on and off about cavemen yeah i've done a lot of research on cavemen yeah they were hermaphrodites all cave people yeah they had both organs like earthworms they could make love to themselves yeah and to others and to others all right well ladies and gentlemen cave hermaphrodites so earthworms and snails who are hermaphrodites generally just do it with each other yeah twice at the same time but they don't do it with themselves but this that's the thing about that's and, and and as you always like to say that's the thing that separates earthworms from cavemen. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. all right, save it, save Look it. I gotta, finish, <laughs> I gotta finish, I gotta finish the introduction. You, got, you gotta. I gotta finish the introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, yep. caveworms, uh, <laughs> non-caveworms, cave snails, snails, all sorts of things that have uh, multiple sex organs. Welcome to another episode of Daydreaming with Gary and Elliot. I am your host, Elliot Blake. Sitting next to me is my equi-host, Gary Anthony Williams. Gary, would you do us the honor yeah. of introducing our guest who is talking oh. to his phone in a cup? Elliot, <laughs> I am holding up a book right now mm. in my hand. This is not a digital book. No, it's a real book. In fact, it's yours. That is it's my the copy, copy that this young gentleman, yeah. I'm going to call him a young gentleman, yeah. because as long as I've known him now, which yep. has been about 20 minutes, uh-huh. he watched me sweat bullets yep. with none of my devices yep. working. Yep. 
He stayed as gentle a man as you could possibly get. That's true. So gentle, in fact, that he's gently stroked me in the nape of the neck to put me to sleep. Like the young father he is. Yeah. <laughs> I'm holding a book we call Beyond the Known, How Exploration Created the Modern World and Will Take Us to the Stars by our guest, Mr. Andrew Rader. Uh, Elliot, if I could break this down real quick and let people know. Break it, break it down. There's some stuff that we can't discuss today. Mm-hmm. There's some top secret stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, he came in here shrouded in all black. Yep. He put a hood on my head. Yep. It's <laughs> like, funny because it's your it's place. It's my place. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I don't want you to know where you are. Yeah, it's very, I said, but yeah. I already know. He's like, hush it. <laughs> There is some stuff that, and if it gets too deep in the woods, Andrew, you just go, I can't talk about that right now, Gary. But privately, I'll call you and tell you everything you wanted to know. I just want to make that deal with you. Yep. Uh, Elliot, uh-huh. this young man. Yes. He's been places. Yep. Has he seen things? He's seen things? Yeah. He may have tasted some things. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> well, okay. we'll have to ask, we'll, we'll, but we're we'll going to make some assumptions. We'll yeah. make some assumptions. Yeah. And before we make some assumptions, yeah. we should get, get going on making him a drink. Why don't I make him a drink? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, uh, so as longtime listeners of the podcast know, uh, we have on a guest. The guest tells us what they like to drink. Uh, and I will make something for my book, Create 100 Cocktails, a home bar guy's deep dive into the art of cocktail creation. Uh, that is, you know, something that is similar along those lines uh, uh, as, a, as a drink. And so, uh, Andrew, we texted. Uh, you said that you like uh, usually like, you know, beer and wine. Mostly, mostly yeah, I drink beer and wine. I don't yeah. think I've ever tried a cocktail that I like better than beer or wine. So okay. here's a challenge. Uh-oh. Uh, because Uh-oh. Cause I do believe that beer is the pinnacle of alcoholic drinks. It's the pinnacle okay. of development, and it will never oh. get better than that. So we'll see. Okay. Well, we'll see. You sound like a young down. man whose yeah. parents did not make you baby bourbon when you were young. You never had, ba- <laughs> you never had baby bourbon as like true. a... That's true. We did have liquor in the house, uh, but uh, didn't use it. Uh, okay. just, just for show. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it just literally sat there forever, and nobody Pretty, ever cracked well, the bottle. The first people to use it were the kids when they got old enough. Sure. Okay. Sure. No, but you were one of those kids. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But even when you but we just drank it straight. You keep keep uh-huh. in mind, like you were in when you're in high school or whatever it is, you, you're right. going to drink you're straight just, vodka, right? Yeah, you're not yeah. you're not mixing so you don't it. Know. You, you don't, don't know. know. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> high school kids, uh, a word from a word from Mr. Raider. You don't know. You just don't <laughs> know. So uh, so now I I said okay. Well, you know, there's a uh, you like a beer. One of the things one of the things that uh, we can do. Uh, in the world of cocktails, is make a beer cocktail. So a cocktail. has this ever been done? Oh, it's been done. Okay, it's been done. I've had them in. Oh, in, I've had oh, them in that restaurants. Scary. Actually, I was thinking sort of ginger ale might be good. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, but I would like. So we used to have Cosmos drinking parties. We'd oh. watch Carl Sagan's Cosmos yeah, and yeah. Cosmos drink. But I think that's kind of a girly drink, right? I don't think I oh, actually like want an, a actually like a cosmopolitan. Right. Yes, I don't yeah. think I want that. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, maybe you're not, like a really manly drink. Well, you're getting a manly drink. You're getting a manly. You're getting a manly. You're getting, you're getting a manly beer cocktail. So here's what I have come up with. I have come up with a new drink. This is not in my book. Wait, is this wait it? you came up with it. I came just up, for the ra- we call them the raidster around yeah, these parts. Yeah, I did. You came up just for the Andrew raidster. I did. Okay. And so we're gonna have a drink. Uh, we're gonna have a drink that I've called. Now you're on Twitter. You are at Mars Raider. Correct. I have called. Come up with a drink called Mars Raider. 
but which is but Raider spelled with an I, with an I yeah. correctly. Like oh, so someone was raiding Mars. Oh uh, mm-hmm. yeah. And so this is a beer cocktail. And what this has in it is uh, an ounce of blood orange juice. It's got a half ounce of lemon juice. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got an ounce of Aperol, which is this this red stuff mm-hmm. here. And and uh, and then we're gonna uh, we're gonna shake those things together uh, with ice. We're gonna strain it into a co- into a into a pint glass uh, over some fresh ice, and then we're gonna top that with an eight oh five. Lager from from the Firestone Walker uh, 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 brewery, yeah, uh, which is my yeah, which I love. I love that's my that's my that's my go to beer is the eight oh five, um, and so and this so uh, and this is loosely based on a uh, uh, on a on a drink on an Aperol Spritz and also on something called an Aperol Mist, which uses uh, Aperol, which is this bitter Italian bitter uh, with uh, uh, some, I think cider. If, I, if I'm correct, I'm going to so, say. But anyway, yeah. but that's what that's what we're going to do. And now I haven't made this. I've made other beer cocktails. I haven't made this one yet. So, like in the spirit of everything else that's going on first, with this baby. show, it's a it's day, day of first. first. So, so it could go horribly wrong. Nope. Or it could go right. But I'm going to make it, and while I am making it, you guys chit. Yeah. And then immediately. immediately follow that with a chat. I will say this. <laughs> I will say this show is going to go horribly right. Here's here's why. Tell me. Uh, my dear friend Aisha Tyler, who has not done our show yet, has she? No, she hasn't. She, I know she likes cocktails, so she, she should. She loves cocktails. Yeah. She's very tall. Yeah. And if you if you go, Gary, I bet you don't know any tall women. You're wrong. Aisha Tyler is a tall, model esque, funny, brilliantly smart human being. The first years of her podcast, Girl on Guy, was all done on her iPad and her cell phones. Nothing else. We're kicking it. Aisha Tyler School here. I'm okay with that. It went right for her. Yeah. She's now ridiculously wealthy. Too wealthy. So wealthy that she will just put stacks of money on top of her car and let it fly where it made it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I did that once by accident. So at a rest stop. How, yeah. How I put much? my wallet on the car. <laughs> it was like a hundred bucks. Or no, like a thousand bucks, actually. It was Ooh. a lot of money. Oof. I haven't had a lot of cash that day. Was it a single thousand dollar bill? No, no, no. Okay. No. I didn't know how you... twenties and fifties and it went flying everywhere. Oh, yeah. my gosh. And did you ever get the wallet back? For so, so yeah. I went to the next uh, exit from the highway and then went all the way back on the highway. And it took about 15, 20 minutes to get back. And then I uh, combed through the grass to find as many bills as I could. So you, f- you actually found some money. Too. How much did you recover? Uh, about half of it. That's that's, that's better that's, than that's, I expected. Yeah, that's yeah. better than many investments. Like you can invest and you're like, yeah. I, I lost half my money. And like, ah, yeah, yeah, you don't get to claim yeah. it as a tax deduction, though. Ah, uh, true, true. You don't yes, know the right yeah. tax man. <laughs> <laughs> Before you leave Studio City, I'm going to hook you up with a tax dude who's yeah. like, <laughs> get you a deduction on that stuff. All right. Elliot. Yep. Godspeed. All right, I'm going to do it. Godspeed. Here we go. I'm now putting my phone yep. into the cup. Yep. If we don't talk directly down, it, this is the most janky looking setup in the world. It really is. But I'm convinced if we don't talk directly into the cup, we won't get all Darth Vader-y. I think I'm talking yeah. directly. Yeah. I'm also rubbing my beard against the that microphone. So it's really... The cup's great. really a stand. It has, doesn't have anything to do with the acoustics. It, it, no, it's, it's literally a stand. But if we talk down into... I don't know if you know much about sound or uh, light or space travel... Or uh, or technology. (laughs) I don't know if you know anything about any of those things, Uh, but you're right. Uh, Andrew, may I ask you a personal question? Yes. I'm reading right now. It says that you, sir, won the Discovery Channel's competitive television series, Canada's Greatest Know-It-All. That tells me, Elliot, 
Forgive me for being yes. a know-it-all myself. Okay. That tells me either you are from Canada or you faked being a Canadian. I would love to think you faked Canada. Yep. You did? You faked no, me? No, no. Oh, you <laughs> saw the guy. No, no, I'm, I am Canadian. Uh, actually, I'm becoming American within about a month or two. Yeah, I just passed my citizenship test. Which most Americans would not pass. Probably how, true. How long yeah. did you... I know, I've, I've seen the questions lately. A friend of mine yeah, from Australia yeah, yeah, is... Yeah, yeah. How long were you studying that? About five minutes. I mean, oh. I, I'm kind of a history buff, so... Oh, the, yeah. You're built, you're, you're built in to be an American. No, that's, you're too smart to be an American. If you already know our history. Because I'm pretty sure George Washington invented the peanut. I don't know if I have Carbon. that. Right. You're missing one word. Oh. Otherwise true. I don't, I don't Actually, see, I don't think he invented the peanut. He invented the peanut. Can a person really invent a plant? It, yeah, it had never been invented before. <laughs> he goes out one day into the fields. He comes back with this thing. Look what I invented. And it was a peanut. You studied about five minutes to become an American citizen. Yeah. I read through the questions, basically, and I was like, yeah, I know that, I know that, I know that. I had to look up congresswoman, who, who our congresswoman is, but I knew the senators. So you had to know your direct, your direct exactly. representatives. In, in your, oh, your, yeah. I didn't know that. I, I mean, I didn't know that you had to know that. I didn't know that. It was one of the questions, yeah. Um, they, they have 100 questions, and they ask you 10. Theoretically random. So you you get a whole list of all these are the possible one hundred. Exactly. So yep. just know all one hundred. And acceptable and answers. And sometimes historians actually argue about whether some of the answers are correct or not. Yeah. And how specific they are and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And you 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 aced it as as they yeah, would I get say. 10. As I get they would 10. say in Canada. You aced it. Yeah. I mean we Oh you well, I, you I would also I, say I zed it, which would be zed it, but that would make it yeah, sense. I think I could have answered any of the hundred for sure. Yeah. Oh, dude, would you ever do that thing that people are doing right now? Like, oh man, can I pay you to take my citizenship? Oh, that's <laughs> I'm sure that is extremely illegal. <laughs> <laughs> we don't care anymore. What's illegal, man? Uh, so now, now that you will become an American citizen in how many weeks? Two weeks? Oh, it's probably like two months or something. I don't know. It's whenever they schedule the... But you've already passed the test. You're just waiting for them to... Correct. I assume they carve the letter A into your back for America. I don't know how it works. They definitely do. You get a a neck tattoo. Oh, right on the neck. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like prison, but (laughs) if America was a prison. Now, it's my understanding that they're going to be introducing a loyalty oath to the the president in this next... Is that true? Uh, No. Oh, my God. They have it for American citizens. Oh, sure. Well, becoming citizens. Well, sure, but you're not you're taking a, you're taking an oath to the to the Constitution, Correct. and yeah, not no. to the the president. So, oh and I, no, and, you're yeah, not serious. Yeah, that no, there's no. a loyalty oath to the president. I'm waiting, but no, oh, not oh, no. Let's not have that happen. <laughs> That's uh, exactly Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> That's eggs perfect. It's a, perfectly <laughs> Nazi. <Yeah. laughs> That's exactly what so, we're going. So now that you're going to be an American citizen, as soon as they get your neck tattoo ready. <laughs> will they remove your Canada's greatest know-it-all? Will you be? Will, oh. they, will, will they go? You're dead. To, you're dead to our country. Now I'll be a dual, dual citizen. So yeah, wow. I do have these kind of dreams about maybe moving back to Canada someday. I don't know if I'll ever get around to it. But where were you from? Ottawa. I, I know Ottawa. It's the capital, but yeah. most a lot of people don't know it though. Surprisingly, ah, I spent a little time up in your in your plucky nation. Uh, getting to know your ways. Where did you go? I've been, I spent like three months in Toronto. I spent a little while in Montreal. Oh, oui? Montreal. Oui, oui. 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 
and then um, and what's the other one? What's the other one on the other side? Vancouver. Over there? Vancouver. It's like Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. The the Seattle of the north. We yeah. Call exactly. it. The yeah. Seattle of the northwest. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, I actually freaking love Canada. Uh, but somehow you go, you win this thing. And what did that, what, what was that competition? The greatest know-it-all. It's like Mythbuster Survivor. So every episode there's two challenges and then you basically vote for people off your team and then there's a saving challenge. It's exactly sur- Survivor Mythbusters. Mythbusters meaning like you build something every day, you build a giant cannon or you build a bridge or oh, you jump out of a plane or defuse a bomb underwater. All Do we have that challenges. show in, in your new country? I cannot believe that you don't. Because I imagine it would be such an incredible hit here. Yeah, so I'm, so, I'm so, uh, totally blown away. So guys, yeah. let's just I mean, make the, a show. We should. You know, that is something that we do on this show is we come up with new shows all the time. So I'm now not even that's, kidding. That, no, but that's a big good show. It's Mythbusters. Yeah. You just build something, but you eat competition, then you vote I mean, people off if they're not helpful. The closest I think that they've ever done on TV here was when they were trying to find new Mythbusters hosts. They mm. had a competition yep. for, uh, show yep. for that. So I don't want to brag, but uh, Tuesday I have a phone call with a well-known African-American in the industry. Just know this. Okay. I'm going to say, look, I've taken someone's idea. Let's do this show. It's a no-brainer of a brainy show. Can I start guessing who who your call is with? Uh, Al Roker. Never mind. That was that was my first guess. So. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Uh, he'll do the show. I mean, he he knows meteorology. That's science. Absolutely. Oh oh no no you didn't no you didn't side cut your head at all. So you won that competition. Like in every, every week you're doing something different. Yeah. This yeah. week you're doing a can a a. a Skydiving or yeah, whatever it is, is, scuba diving. There was my favorite one was geography. So I'm a huge geography nerd. So one was like putting together a map of the world in an hour, Uh, just like totally from scratch. You had to draw it and then cut out or whatever. And I love that one because you know where where the world is, all the islands, all the continents and stuff like that. I put it like in all the Japanese islands and labeled them and stuff. (laughs) What was your first love in the science or geography world? Was it? Was geography your the thing that got you into yeah. to being who you are today? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so my mother worked for an airline, so we used to fly a lot, and I really liked airplanes, and we traveled a lot, too. Oh. So that's probably why I got into geography. I really like traveling around. And now, and does geography still weigh heavily? And what can we say about what you do right now? Yeah, I'm a mission manager at SpaceX, so I run space missions. Basically, the we launch sa- satellites, and in particular, I work on two NASA missions. One's a space telescope, and one is a mission to crash a spaceship into an asteroid, which will basically like divert the asteroid to change the trajectory. We've heard, asteroid. yeah, we have heard about both of these, both of these things. Yeah, they're all they're both both really cool. So. Um, but I'm still working on the cocktail, so I'm going to let you tell. Okay. <laughs> I had a question, and, I, and it went right out of my head because I was holding the cocktail spoon, and I can't uh, concentrate yeah, you on can't. two things at once. Yeah, not, not, not today. Not now. The asteroid is not going to crash into Earth, but the thing is it's an asteroid with a moon, and another smaller asteroid is a moon. We're going to hit the moon because hitting the moon means that uh, uh-huh. you can measure the trajectory change a lot more precisely wow. than if it was going around the sun, which is what other asteroids do. And what is your job on that mission to crash that rascal into the moon? So we launch 
the spacecraft in, into space, basically. So we have to make sure that everything with the spacecraft is going to survive the launch environment. Like there's a lot of thermal considerations and mechanical considerations and vibration and stuff like that. So you have to make sure all the interfaces work correctly. Um, so yeah, it's basically making sure the spacecraft is safe to, to launch on the rocket. Wow. Now, you are Canadian. Somehow our country let you in to go to MIT. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what we were thinking, but when you went to MIT, what was your main field of study there? Human was it? space flight, actually. It was how to keep humans in, alive in space for long durations, long periods of time. So we, I tested people on a lot of machines that move around like a centrifuge, like it spins them yeah. really fast. It's like a bed. You sit down. Your head is at the center of motion, and your feet spin around you, oh, and it spins God. around you. It spins you around really, really fast. And if you do a head motion, a turn, if you turn your head, uh, it's exactly like you're super drunk. And if you have that sensation when you're super drunk wow. and uh, it's, you're dizzy, it's exact yeah. same effect because what it's the doing is changing ear? the fluid in the inner, oh. inner ear. Exactly. Yep. Did you did you get in that machine yourself? Oh, definitely. Yeah, many times. Yeah. Did you? Like, I haven't thrown up since I was like 13 yeah. years old. <laughs> well, real. you learn not to turn your head. So I, 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 got, I, got, I felt really is. sick. But actually, part of the experiment, though, required you to turn your head. But they stop it if you're going to get sick. So, yeah, I never actually threw up. Is there a certain type of people who can just handle that better than others? Yeah. So if you have inner ear damage, you have a non-functioning vestibular system, it's called, then you can handle it forever and you won't even have a sensation of sickness. So there, there are certain people who don't get motion sick ever right now are not able to be motion sick wow. because, but they're also, it comes with a lot of downsides. They're also really bad at balance. So they would have trouble walking in a room in the dark, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So it is possible, and I know we're not going to do this, but it is possible to, if you knew how to medically damage someone's inner ear yeah just for space travel like if yeah. you want to create some space traveling humans who also wobble when they try to walk a straight yeah. line but they won't get sick well that's true but that's kind of uh it's, it seems excessive because <laughs> when people go to space they do get sick uh, for the first few days because they're recalibrating their their balance basically and you don't have gravity right this is one of the main things i studied so when you go up into space you you don't have gravity so you interpret head tilts as motions as like forward motions so you get uh, like say really, that you interpret, you interpret head, head tilts as motions because the grab there's a gravity vector pointing straight down and when you tilt your head you get a component to the to the front or, or side um so you get a sideways component basically just by the angle, mm. right? And so on Earth, you're perfectly calibrated to always expect this gravity vector pulling you down towards the floor. Sure, uh -huh. sure, sure. But up in space, there's none of that. So you, you, when you tilt your head, uh, you get you you would expect to have uh, a, a component going in one direction, but you don't. So you interpret it as motion in the other direction. And wow. if you move forward. Uh, you can interpret that as like a tilt and stuff. You're just basically totally wrong about your system is totally mixed up because it's not getting the right signals from the gravity vector. Wow. In general, how long does it take for one to recalibrate? A couple days. Yeah. So astronauts almost always get sick when they go up into space. They at least feel sick. Some vomit, some don't uh, for a few days. But once you recalibrate, then you're fine. What, what I find really remarkable is that humans are able to recalibrate mm -hmm. right. to a different gravity. Because right. on Earth, everywhere you go on Earth. Right. Even underwater, or even up on a high mountain or whatever, the gravity is basically the same and it's always pointing down. So the fact that humans can recalibrate to a different gravity environment is just 
incredible. Yeah, it like has. what is that reason that we are able to do that? Like in in our in our development, what is that reason that humans are able to make that recalibration? So I think it's the same thing as when we're born. You know how babies have terrible coordination. Mm-hmm. Everything you, you do. Can all- I say this right now to the, all the babies out there? You guys are <laughs> shitty. <at coordination. laughs> I'm sorry, Elia. I didn't want to come down on them. You know, I know. Just our, I can't believe you would say that to our large. Baby listening audience. <laughs> but first of all, yeah. I love them for other reasons. Right. They're great at many other things. Sure, sure. Coordination. Yeah. I won't let one drive me around. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm ready for you. Yeah. So you have to calibrate everything. Everything we has to be learned, basically. And this is why, like, athletes become really good with lots of practice, actually. You, you're tuning the you'd call them gain factors basically like uh, in science, but basically the amount of motion specifically you have to do to, to accomplish a task. And all of that is based on experience. Um, and this is why like, it's hard to program a robot to do a very specific motion. The best thing to do is like kind of program to do something close to it and see what it does and then do corrections. Right. Mm-hmm. This is how we learn is just by making mistakes and errors. So if a baby reaches out for a ball, it's probably not going to get the ball the first time because it doesn't right. know how much to move its arm. It doesn't know sure. what muscle, not only how much to move its arm, it doesn't know what muscle inputs will move its arm by a certain amount. It doesn't right. know how much sure. like to, to pr- press or whatever, right? And it's the same thing with physiotherapy. If you've experienced an injury and you're trying to get back mm-hmm. into it or you have brain damage or something like that, uh, you just have to relearn everything. It's the muscle, muscle memory. Yeah. And this is why like, if you're a baseball player, you learn exactly how to hit a ball really well. And it's just a matter of training your muscles really, really well right. and uh-huh. your brain muscle interaction. Right. Uh, Talking Elliot, about brain you, muscles. Yeah. I flexed mine and also spilled like two glasses of ice, but managed, that's how well the show uh, is going. But I have managed to make this cocktail. The, the Mars Raider, it is right here, right in front of us. I, I can actually say this show is going fantastic. I think technically, I think from a, a, a subject matter perspective it's going yeah. great from a technical perspective mm, no, that's no, where i, I just spelling the drink great. is that what you mean spelling the drink yeah once again those cave hermaphrodites right. did it just like we're doing true true cheers and, and again the name of this drink is the mars, the mars raider the mars, with an eye in there right the mars, mars raider, raider. Yep. And, and, and and it's it's red it's mars so, raider. Here the, we whole, go. the whole idea all right let's see if it's good i'm seeing a, i saw a vector thing he did a vector <laughs> <laughs> It's good. Yeah, it's. I mean, the thing is, it takes away the fizziness from the beer a little bit. So it's it's it is definitely nitro. It's a it's a lighter. It is a lighter drink. And yeah, it does not. It is not totally fizzy. I'm actually going to say this. I'm not angry with this drink. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even think I taste beer. I don't. It's like I'm tasting something. It it is a, it, a whole different yeah. Uh, well, you've got you've got I mean you've got a lot of other flavors going on there. So you've got you've got the blood orange flavor. You've got you've got a little bit of, uh, a little bit of lemon to for to kind of sharpen the the blood orange, yeah. and then you've got some orange notes from the aperol. So it's possible that this would work better also with a wheat beer as opposed to a to a lager. I actually don't. So, oh, go ahead, my friend. I, I will say it's it's extremely smooth. It's almost like fruit juice or something. Like it's yeah. like it's uh, a, yeah. really light. It's, yeah. it's refreshing. It's kind of like iced tea or something. It like is it, like, yeah, like, light yeah. was the idea knowing that you've got mm-hmm. a you've got a long drive mm-hmm. uh, a long drive. We did not want to put you in a in a uh, in a in a with a, a super heavy drink. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, but he knows gravity. He, he knows, knows how to make sh- gravity work. True, true. Well, like he time, can, well no. If I'm not mistaken, you can turn gravity on 
on and off. You've you've found out the secrets of gravity. No, no, only oh, Star Wars. That's uh, oh, so, so that's what. Oh, I was watching Star Wars. I was thinking that was you. <laughs> I, let me please let me please let me apologize. I I don't know the difference between Andrew and Star Wars. Anymore. <laughs> well, Raider, right? Raider. Uh, yeah. My brother wanted to name if he had a son Darth. That'd be good, Darth dude. Raider. Please. If your brother doesn't have a son and he needs someone to help him make a son, I will sell him my next child so he okay. can name that yeah. child Darth yeah. Raider. <laughs> and, and, and that I'm known for making children. Okay. I'm known yeah. for it. I have one. Okay. But I'm known for <laughs> Known for, for that, making that kid. I'm known for making that one child. Uh, you were saying, uh, I sent you a little bit off on a tangent, but you were, you're, you're, you were studying basically keeping human beings alive in space. Yep, for long periods of time. So one of the things, if you send humans to Mars or, well, the moon's pretty close. It's about three days away. Mars is like six months away. So right. It's a right. lot further. And one of the things you're going to experience, your body's going to degrade in multiple ways. One is your muscles are going to degrade. Another is bones. Um, there's a radiation thing as well, but the bones and muscles are one of the main things. There's also the um, recalibration. So you get used to space within a few days, the space gravity change. Then when you get down to Mars, you have to recalibrate to Mars, right? Right, mm-hmm. which is a lower gravity. Which is a lower here. gravity, so yeah. it's, again, a different sensation. Right. Um, but And most of these things have to do with gravity. So if you can introduce gravity in some way... Uh, you're golden, basically. You can uh, you can counter all these effects. Mm-hmm. Now, it's impossible to create gravity without mass. This is like one of the fundamental things in the universe. There's four forces in the universe, basically, um, and gravity is one of them. It's actually the weakest one, though. It's kind of strange because if you think about it, like a fridge magnet, yeah, fridge magnets uh, stay on. And they're being held by just this little tiny bit of magnet, mm-hmm. but they're being pulled by right. the entire mass of Earth. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so a little tiny magnet yeah. right. can overcome the force exerted by the entire planet. Right. Right. But anyway, so gra- gravity is the weakest one, but it's one of the four fundamental forces, strong nuclear, weak nuclear, electromagnetic, and, and gravity. Um, and it's impossible to create it. This is why like, people have sometimes like science fiction ideas or like alien spaceship flying by like a gravity nullifier or whatever it is. Right. Like that. So according to our understanding of the laws of physics, that is just not possible. It's not possible to create or uh, alter gravity. However, acceleration is indistinguishable from gravity. Right. Like if you're in a car and mm-hmm. you accelerate, you're pushed back in the seat. And that is exactly the same effect as gravity. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, like this, in, the, um, in orbit uh, in the, at the space station, they float around. But it's not because there's no gravity. They actually experience almost the exact same gravity as Earth. It's about 90% or something like that. It's a little bit higher, so it's further from Earth, so the gravity's a little bit less. What they are doing is accelerating in the opposite direction, uh-huh. and that cancels gravity. Gotcha. So the hum- humans cannot distinguish the difference between acceleration and gravity. Um, so when you like... I mean, does it make a difference at that point? It, no. It's having the exact same effect. Exactly. It has the exact same effect. Yeah, exactly. Um, so if you're in a plane or something, like, and you pull back, and you're blindfolded in the plane, you can't tell if, it's, uh, if the plane's tilting or if, if you're accelerating, basically, mm-hmm. right? Right. So same, same kind of thing. So uh, anyway, so if you can spin people around, this, there's short radius and long, large radius, artificial gravity. You can spin people around and basically create acceleration, which mimics gravity. Right. And so you can do that. For, that's why you have, like, in 2001, Space Odyssey, yep. the big spinning space station. Uh-huh. And they all can walk on the outside because they're all being pulled towards the outside, like on a... 
uh, a wheel, like a wheel at a fair or whatever, like a like carnival a, ride. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like right. one of those that spins you around. Yeah. So it's, it's centrifugal force that's exactly. holding them. That's holding them in yeah. place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do that, um, and you can do it with a large space station and a slow spin, or uh, like a bed, for example, and spinning fast. A shorter radius. So okay, so I'm glad to hear that 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 that's all real because I've often wondered. It's like you know they talk about okay, we're gonna go, we're gonna send people to Mars. Gra- you know the the lack of gravity is a problem because of all because of everything that you just talked about. It's like what it does to your muscles and having to recalibrate and all those kinds of things. So I've often wondered. It's like okay, well if you got to build a ship that's gonna take people to Mars. And it's which is already seems like it's like I suppose we have the technology to do it, you know, to to take you know to to send somebody there, but if you're going to do it, why not also build something that has some kind of spinning component to it so that there is some kind of gravity along the way? Yeah, it's unclear if you would need to. So it ah, would okay. be an advantage to do this, but the 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 thing is too though. You know, six months of zero gra- gravity. Astronauts do this all the time mm-hmm. on the space station. And it's not that bad when they come back to Earth. Sometimes they have trouble walking and stuff like that. But they're going to Mars instead of Earth, which right. has lower gravity anyway, only 38%. Right. right. So in, from some sense, as you travel to Mars in zero G, what you're doing is you're reaccustoming <clears throat> your body to a lower gravity anyway. Um, so I don't know that it's totally necessary for going to Mars, but it. It, it, it definitely could be an asset. And it, I mean, you you could hit the ground run, running, so right. to speak, when yeah. you when you get there. If you're right. just adjusting as as you go, you totally right? could exactly. Yeah. yeah, you could adjust the level and even get used to just that, that the yeah. Mars level of gravity, for example. Right. Yeah. Right. The other thing is like, could babies be born in zero g and that kind of thing? We don't really know, or would they? Even if they could be born, would they be able to return to Earth with right. no damage, right? Like with um, fully formed muscles and bones and stuff yeah, like that. Right. It's sort of unclear. We don't really know. And I wonder right. what happens, and you would know this because uh, MIT, uh, I'm not just calling him Mitt. I was talking about the <laughs> Right, the school, college, the yeah. yeah. Um, what starts happening with that inner ear, speaking of babies? Like you got muscles and bones. Mm. Like does that start to atrophy? Um, so that one just recalibrates. We think it doesn't. We, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen really. With we've had they've had some insects and certain types of uh, animals born in space. Basically, they've definitely grown plants in space. I don't know that they've ever had. I think they've done some experiments with embryos, like mice embryos and stuff. I don't know that they've ever had a, a vertebrate fully formed on the space station. So I don't think we really know. But I think what you could say is that some gravity is better than no gravity. So if you're going to have people in space on a space colony, whatever, for, for a long, long period of time, you're probably better off having it spinning. Right. But if it's just like a trip to Mars and then they're going to stay on Mars for a while, maybe that's okay. Gotcha. Right? Uh, because humans would just reaccustom to Mars gravity. And the only question would be, if they ever came back to Earth, they might be weaker than... Right. And in the long run... So it's not going to change their biology because evolution doesn't really change unless there's a, a selection pressure. Sure. So the question is, is it just going to create like a different kind of human? No. It's going to be the same humans, but they're just going to be adjusted to a different level of gravity. Right. So what it means is the Martian basketball team is really going to suck, basically. Unless they learn something that has nothing to do 
but the way we play basketball here, like oh, they play we got Mars, the skills. Mars basketball. They play Mars style, yeah. and then well, so it. they're going to be able to jump really high mm. on Mars, but right. they're going to suck when they come back to Earth. Right, right. But if their game is not about the jumping, right. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, they're yeah. going, oh, we ain't about the jumping. Like if we are, what's what's the majority of the atmosphere on Mars? Carbon dioxide. Okay, but it's very thin. So, so if we're so. playing in like super heavy uh-huh. carbon dioxide area, then they got us. You know what I'm saying? Right, sure. Yeah, if they play to their skills. That's what I'm just wanting you to say. Yeah, well, they're going to have to... So if they're outside... So you can't really walk around without a spacesuit anyway because the pressure's too low and you need oxygen. Um, but we're talking about like an inside dome or something like that. But the gravity... <laughs> I'm still, glad we're having this fucking conversation <laughs> about this. the Martian otherwise basketball like, Otherwise, like, total recall, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> that was my Arnold Schwarzenegger getting my face That was your by. Arnold Schwarzenegger and Chewbacca made a baby. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and they're very proud of him. Yeah. There's not a problem with that guy. Uh, so when you, when, at, at MIT, you were studying uh, the, the keeping the human alive thing. Yep. Now, all of these things that you just told me seem more a comfort more than keeping them alive. Not just comfort, but being able to do being able to live and and work in space, not so much of keeping the heart beating and the brain. Yeah, going I think that's itself. true. I mean, just the fact that we have people alive on the space station for longer than it takes to get to Mars means that you know we definitely can send people to Mars without countermeasures. It yeah. just is, uh, yeah, definitely preferable. And if you wanted to have people go really far into space or live on a, a space colony or maybe try to get on an asteroid and go to another star or whatever it is, uh, then probably you would need to do something. It's a, we don't really know enough about it to say whether you would for sure or not. I but love- where, does, where does science fiction tell us, though? Because I know if you, like, all right, I read, everybody knows who listens to this show that yeah. I read a lot of science fiction. Yeah, you do. Um, and, and that's outside of the comic books. I mean, just like regular, you know, good old American sci-fi. Or not even American. What the hell? It could be any worldwide science fiction. Not Canadian, though. You not- refuse to read Canadian sci-fi. Ooh. No. And, and yeah, 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 it burns you. <laughs> Handmaid's Tale, that's the only sci-fi from Canada I can actually no, that's I, it? That's which all I, they got. Which, that's all you got. Which I haven't read. I don't know. William Gibson lives in Canada. Uh, and I think he actually might be. I suppose he's a Canadian okay, so citizen you, now. You, so you give he's, them their equal. So I'm going to give Yeah, and he's my favorite. So I'm going to give him that. But, um, uh, but like, you read The Expanse. Uh, the Expanse series, uh, or even watch it on TV. Although I haven't watched it on TV, but the but that that really, that yeah. which is which is is a very what they call very hard sci-fi. Yeah, and, that, yeah. and and they talk and they talk a lot about how you know everything's you know spin gravity and acceleration gravity mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And so it's really it is super fascinating to read about that stuff. And you think, okay, well we can do it two hundred years from now. Why can't we do it now? Yeah. I get impatient. That's really what that's really yeah. what it is for me is I get impatient. Yeah. Like I want us you to want be on Mars already. Because that's what I was promised when I was a kid. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, we should so, have been. Yeah. Like, you know, the trajectory would have taken us to Mars in the nineteen eighties, basically, after they went to the moon. Yeah. They wanted to follow up with a bunch of projects, a flyby of Venus, moon um uh, uh, moon base. Uh and a trip to Mars, mm-hmm. yeah, and a space plane. And what I guess stopped us? Space plane. funding, money, basically. Yeah. Wow. Um, NASA's budget was a lot higher, about six times as high, during Apollo, the race to the moon, and then after we got to the moon, basically, going to the moon was a Cold War race, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Soviets won the Cold War, 
uh, I mean, that was a little bit later, but basically won the <laughs> space race and then decided not worth spending the money on going to space. So NASA got to choose basically one project for human space flight, and it was a space plane, and that became the space shuttle. But right. space shuttle, strategically, it was a cool ship, but strategically, I, I think the space shuttle was a big failure because it increased the cost of access to space rather than reducing it. And that's the most important thing. If you want to go to space, you got to make access to space as cheap as possible. Yeah, right. And now, now that which is something, you know, I, we... We're only going to touch briefly on this, but you, you, you know, but you work, you do work for SpaceX, and I know that that, and you know that that's a big part of of the idea of what you guys do there is to yeah. help reduce the cost of going to space, and a part of that is with the reusable rockets and the uh, the amazing reusable rockets which land vertically, yeah. like something out of a sci-fi movie. It totally was blows yeah, yeah. my mind. It, and it, if, it's if you have not seen this, uh, listeners, you got to Google those rockets. Or you, you can Google it. You can duck, duck, go it if you want to. If you want to. If you don't want anybody knowing your search history, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the, Which reminds me. Yeah. Maybe this is a good place to do our, our, uh, our uh, sponsor break. Okay, and then I'll come back and tell them about okay. those rockets. Okay, new time, yeah, and then we'll talk about those rockets. Today's episode of Day Drinking with Gary and Elliot is brought to you by a Twist of Fate. Um, oh. a, yes, a Twist of Fate, which uh, disabled our recording device oh, yeah. and had me <laughs> knock over glasses of ice. Um, however, we're not, as you can tell, we haven't let that kind of stuff uh, stop us. So if you are just, here's how you, you can support the show. And, and and twists of fate everywhere mm-hmm. is uh, you can uh, subscribe. So let's say you're here because uh, you follow, you're one of the, what, 934,000 people who follow you on Twitter? Mm. That's, that's a lot of... That's too much. That's, that's, I mean, do you that's, know all those people? Yeah, do you know all, do you know all those people? Yeah. Okay, 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 okay. That's the right amount. That's the right amount. So if you're one of those people uh, who, 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 who's a, uh, one of Andrew's fans, you're just coming to the show for the first time, make sure you hit that subscribe button. That helps us find great listeners like you. And the other thing that you can do is uh, go on Apple Podcasts uh, or wherever you're listening, leave a uh, star rating. Uh, and a review, uh, which also helps us uh, to find new listeners. Uh, it is my understanding that the are you uh, telling total, me that the star rating is star rating went up again? It's it's, five, it's not five. It's not five. What is it? It it, it uh, on the last show it was eight hundred and two. Right. Now it's eight hundred and sixty four. So people could give us eight hundred eight hundred and sixty four stars, and we we'll need ta- those. We need them, frankly. I mean, look people we got to get a new piece of equipment yeah. so 864 stars goes a long way yeah because you can literally go to a bank and trade in your star ratings for money the for same money. way you left your wallet laying on top of that car yep it's like you were throwing stars yep. away you can literally trade in your star ratings for cold hard cash toonies and loonies as they say oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh yeah yep we'll take them all <laughs> so anyway uh make sure you do that uh and now back to the show if you haven't Googled those freaking rockets returning back to Earth. Just Google like Falcon Heavy Launch. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Watching them re-land, it seems like this is what we were promised in the old movies. Yes, yeah. But it still looks like this is the craziest crap I've ever seen. Yeah, it's amazing. The thing that got me, I think, and I, I probably watched it like, I don't know, 50 times in a row. It was when the two, I think it might have been the first time the two yeah, landed, and they landed simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Like, it, yeah. did, it didn't seem like, I, I don't know, maybe there was a fraction of a second yeah. difference between them, but 
Holy crap! And Andrew, from my understanding, timing and laws of physics, really, I don't think it was intention. I mean, yeah, from my understanding, you were one hundred percent responsible for them (laughs) landing exactly at the same time, and that's beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I wish they were true, but they. Yeah. No, I mean, but there's a much. I mean, there's obviously there's a ton of talented uh, uh, and very smart people there, all working towards this amazing, amazing goal of of trying to make space flight more accessible and uh and then also cooler because totally because yeah. you can land rockets simultaneously uh, when i was uh a few years ago uh and my son was very young and my son and elliot's son are both heavy into science math uh computers yeah uh and you know talking about space travel with him and he was young and uh, they were just announcing, hey, someday we'll be able to go to space. And at that time, they were saying, like, maybe $220,000 or something. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, Ethan, I got to get $220,000 so we can, so I can go to space. And he goes, you mean $220,000 extra? I was like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to be broke when I get back. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so then, as I start making money, I go, so do you want to go with me? And he goes, No. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going up there because he immediately thought, "Oh, I could, I could die in this thing." And I wasn't even thinking about. it I was saying, "I can live. I can go up and see the curve of the Earth." Yeah, this is it. But he was being the practical dad. No, right? I'm not going to go up there with right. you. To would you? Would you go up? Oh, if, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I applied to be an astronaut twice and got really far. Yeah. Oh wow! Wow, that's awesome. In Canada, yeah. Yeah. That's but really cool. A Canadian astronaut? They yeah, have, there's they have them. Yeah, no, no. What I'm saying is, so. you're an American now, almost. Right. Well, Skip. I wasn't back in at the time. 2009 and 2016 were the two ones that I was going for. Yeah. Look, I know a dude. I can get you. I don't know if astronauts have medallions. I don't know what they have to distinguish them. Uh, maybe a, a, a bracelet. I can get you a, a, an astronaut bracelet. <laughs> I can get you on the next ship. The yeah. next ship out of here. Uh, yeah. Uh, if you did space travel right now, where would you? What's the place that you would want to go first? Well, I, I mean, I think the long-term goal should be getting to Mars. Actually, no, the, short, mean, the short-term goal. I mean, you, I mean, you yeah, specifically. specifically yeah. Uh, well, I mean, considering I have a family now. I mean, I, I did want to go to Mars a lot, actually. I was in this thing where you're you, the one-way mission to Mars thing. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to do that. Um now that I have a daughter and family, I don't know. Probably I'd like to go to the moon or something. It's a lot closer. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. so does it make any? I mean, as as somebody who's you know kind of actively working in you know space exploration, does it make sense to you uh, for NASA? Like, it, just your personal opinion, uh, you know, for NASA to be talking about putting you know going back to the moon and establishing a base there right now as kind of an intermediate step to going to Mars? Not really. So uh, my. Yeah, I'm kind of a Mars first person. I don't think it makes a lot of sense, but I would prefer somewhere rather than nowhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if it's, um, I think that having a destination is really important. And I do think that having a technology that could do either is very useful. Yeah. So it kind of makes sense to do either. I mean, I think going to Mars is much more important. Here's the thing. It's like, think about boats, right? Like why did boats go out onto the ocean? It's not just like float around on the ocean. Right, right. Unless you're going on a cruise. It can be. It can be. Sure. Uh, but it's to get to the other side. Right. Right. So we should be thinking about where, 
the purpose of a spaceship is to cross space and get to the other side. Mm -hmm. What is the other side? Where are the possible destinations? And obviously, in the far future, we love to be able to go to other stars, yeah. planets around other stars. Maybe they're Earth-like. Maybe we can find other life there. We could probably have a whole new planet, whole new civilization. But in the short term, we're never going to get there unless we start doing what we can with what we have. And that means going out into space with the technology we have. And, and Mars is the only place that we know about which has the potential to support long-term human civilization other than Earth, of course. And uh, it has the full spectrum of resources. It has an atmosphere of carbon dioxide, which is useful converting to oxygen and methane. It has tons of water. It has all the minerals that you would expect to find on earth basically it is a, a planet it has uh, a very similar day night cycle to earth 24 mm -hmm. hours and 40 minutes 39 minutes versus the moon which is 14 days of night 14 days of day mm -hmm. uh, it's 28 days around earth right? right so for a whole host of reasons which means you could grow plants basically for a whole host of reasons mars is just a better place for humans to live than the moon for example or pretty much anywhere else the only other place that's sort of really interesting in our solar system is titan yeah which is a moon of saturn but obviously it's way too far to contemplate going to right know, now right now but right. it's not you know it's compared to another star it's it's incredibly close but the interesting thing about titan is its atmosphere is actually thicker than earth and so because it, because it has low gravity as well you could strap on wings and flap your arms and fly. Wow. Like a bird. I want Gary that. wants to go that, like, there. No, you don't understand. That's yeah. my. I, I want to fly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And you I'm could, not joking you around. You can skydive without a parachute. I gotta get there. <laughs> I, I, that I would. That that seems okay to me. That you like could, the, yeah, with that yeah. low gravity, that I'd do that. Yeah. You don't need a pressure suit. So you would just need oxygen. Oh wow. Um, now what you would need is a very thick snowsuit because it's incredibly cold. 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 Yeah. But I changed my that's mind. pretty cool. Oh, I'm not yeah. going yeah. anywhere. Don't like chill. Chill. I don't <laughs> like chill at all. <laughs> you just don't like to be cold. Why? Have you written this kid's book? I've, that I've, one right there. I've, about four kids' books. Yeah, one is about Europa, which is slightly different, actually. Europa uh -huh. is a moon of Jupiter, and it has... Bobak, Bobak probably talked about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yep. Uh, it's a moon of Jupiter that's covered in ice, and it's like the biggest skating rink in the solar system, and it's um, got more water than Earth, and... You know, the ocean is probably in contact with the bedrock, which is in thermal vents, which are flexed by Jupiter. And it's the most Earth-like environment to anywhere in the solar system in, in terms of at the bottom of our oceans mm -hmm. and where Earth probably formed. Right. So life on Earth probably formed in these thermal vents at the bottom of oceans. And that's exactly what Europa has. So yeah. there's a high probability that there's life on Europa. So yeah, you, wrote a, you wrote a kid's book about that. that. Yeah, I wrote a kid's book about exploring Europa. It's called Europa Excursion. It's part of the Epic Space Adventure series. There's three. One's Mars Rover Rescue and one's Epic Space Adventure. Well, I just like that, that adventure that you just laid out to me of... You can skydive without a parachute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can flap your wings and fly. Like, what kid doesn't want that? Just yeah. imagine all those things that you could do on different planets that you can't do here. Except oh, Mars, yeah. you just can't play basketball. Right. Well, you can play basketball fine right. there. Yeah. But don't try the to The basketball team coming team. back to Earth wouldn't be very good. Would you write that book and uh, let me write the foreword? <laughs> I already wrote the book. About, about Titan, you mean? About 
Here are all the things you could do on different planets. That's kind of actually the first Epic Space Adventure book. So, because uh, it goes to all the different planets in the solar system. So now that you've already written yeah, that book, can I go back and retroactively, retroactively write the foreword? <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Thanks, man. Uh, no, no, you already said yeah. I don't want to hear yeah. anything after that. Yeah. That's that's that's, that's uh, in, as far as yeah, here that's contractually yeah. binding. Um, <laughs> well, you know, though, but that that well. You, uh, it's probably too late for Gary to write the foreword for your new book, but but kind of leading into that, I mean, like, this is the new book, Beyond the Known, which one might say is into the unknown, but is is all about exploration, yes, and it's all about, but it's not, and not just space exploration, it's kind of like a history of, it's history of, of, history, of exploration, yeah. and so you touched on that a little bit earlier about, like, well, why did we get into boats, and and you know, obviously, there was a reason for it, and and it, it seems to me that we are hardwired for wanting to know what's out there. Maybe not everybody, Some of us but, are. but but as a as a species, we're, sure. we're we're hardwired for exploring. Do you would you say that that would you feel like that's accurate? Yeah, a hundred percent, absolutely. I mean, I think that humans have always looked beyond their horizons, and this is what has led to new resources and new ideas and new technologies. And I think the whole history of technology, you can kind of almost boil down to exploration and that's really kind of what the book is about if you think about what makes our technology today it's we have airplanes and we have cars and we have uh, railroads all of that is transportation technology which came about because of movement and, and exploration even it, things like economics which seems somewhat unrelated uh, the stock market was founded uh, to support the Dutch East India Company that was founded for exploratory venture. Banks were invented for merchant ventures from Florence, from the northern northern Italy. Um, insurance was invented to allow for riskier uh, sea voyages of trade, basically. So, so many things in human history came about as a result of exploration. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Even things like art, for example. You wouldn't think art has very much to do with exploration. But if you look at the Dutch Renaissance and Vermeer and some of the artists who totally changed the way art looks, it used to be the Virgin Mary, right? That was like sure. art, or religious icons and stuff like that. Then you had these new uh, scientific artists in the Netherlands, in Holland, playing with light and uh, perspective and there's really famous paintings by Vermeer, like the geographer, and you can tell it's influenced by exploring the world and new ideas that were coming into Holland. And that's what made Holland such a bustling, uh, progressive place in, in its time because they were just exposing themselves to the world and learning all kinds of new ideas and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, totally. Fascinating. Uh, on the family side, I'm just curious about your, like, is your wife, is she in the same field as you? As in the same science field or space exploration field? Is she in that too, or are you guys two separate worlds as far as? Uh, she's in education, so she runs a program at USC that brings in um, high-achieving high but uh, low-opportunity kids from across the country mm -hmm. and um, basically teaches them how to get into good universities and stuff. Most of them get scholarships and all that kind of thing mm -hmm. to Harvard and stuff like that, so yeah. Yeah, I was just curious as to how that works with the field that you're in, if she were not in, but it seems like she is in similar, similar kind of thing. Yeah, she had a university program. Yeah. Right. Academia. Yeah. Now, 
it, this just made me think earlier. Yep. This has almost nothing to do with anything. As I said to you guys earlier, when my machine broke, I go, guys, <laughs> I don't really know how to pray, but if anybody's a praying man, uh, let me know right now. There is a song, and it's from the Bible, it's Ezekiel saw the wheel way up in the middle of the air. Ezekiel saw the wheel way in the middle of the air. The big wheel run by faith, little wheel runs by the hand of God. There are people who tie biblical verses into space travel. And that's one of them, which is a wheel rotating outside another wheel, which is supposed, supposed to be either just straight up UFO or creating gravity like you were talking about earlier. I don't know, in your field, do you ever run into any of that? Like there are people who literally go, we're from another planet and it's all about space travel and that's why we are here from space travel. Oh. So I, I think that there's this idea of panspermia, which means that possibly life hitched a ride on a comet or asteroid and, sure. and crashed into Earth a long time ago and uh -huh. the first bacteria on Earth really got their start on another planet yeah. somewhere far away. So I think that definitely has some validity, but if it's like some grand plan and uh, <laughs> yeah. aliens and stuff like that, then I'm not so, so sure about that. Uh, but I think that uh, you're right, that a lot of stories from the past have in include sort of astronomical elements. And yeah. you have to think that our ancestors lived in a time where there were no lights. So every night they would see the stars and yeah. they look, gaze up into space all the time. They, they made stories about the gods, right? The go there right. were gods in, sure. in Roman and Greek mythology and stuff were the planets, right? That's why our planets are named after gods. Right. So I think that... Uh, Ancient human stories have a lot of connection to astronomy and space and the stars, yeah. Okay, because I'm going to space. Are you? No, I probably won't. Okay. You're in space now. Yes, but I'm going, I'm going to leave this ball right. and then go to another ball. Okay. Uh, earlier you were ball. saying something that I can't believe I never thought. You were like, eh, we could just hitch a ride on an asteroid and go to another star. Mm -hmm. Why aren't we doing more of that? <laughs> no, really. Why aren't so, we? So you, okay, so any kind of interstellar uh, object, an object that would travel between stars, is going at a speed that would take a very long time to get there. So we're mm -hmm. talking thousands tens of thousands of years probably maybe maybe even more so you'd have to keep people alive in space on this space rock for thousands of years but that's what you studied at mit keeping people alive for <laughs> maybe like years or the problem so but but i think in the long term that could actually be the future and if you think about so humans all started in africa about yes. uh I won. about a hundred thousand years ago and uh, people reached North America by around 15,000 years ago, and they reached Australia by around 40,000 years ago and stuff like that. So for, and agriculture was only invented about 10,000 years ago. So for about 90,000 years, people were just nomads wandering, right? And so these kind of voyages that take us tens of thousands of years are not, are something that humans have actually done before. Mm -hmm. Right. And so... And again, we're coming back to another another science fiction concept of of the generation ship, yeah. where you know, which is where you where you take a hollow you hollow out an asteroid and 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 and, and, and populate it, and if, and you populate it for the idea of like you're making a world inside of a thing that is going to be a self sustaining world. Is that 
But, I mean, that's a but pretty are you far- then using it just as this is where we live, or are we using it well, like like Andrew just no, no, said for the point to, of to getting, jump off to, to another place? For the, for the place. point of getting A to B, yeah, from A to B, except for if B is thousands yeah. of years away, right? And so you need to you need, you'd have to have a you'd have a whole society mm-hmm. that that lived you know it, its entire life, you know, generations of generations, in, in inside this a self contained world. I mean, that's a pretty lofty, you know, out there sci-fi concept. Interesting. And, and, and as people like that, that are story, like Gary and I are, are storytellers, you know, like, like for me, as, like I, I, I would love to do a story like that. I think that'd be really fascinating. But like reality wise, it seems like that's some kind of thing that we're pretty far away from. I think so. So one of the things about space is Earth is a huge gravity well, so it's very tough for us to get up into space. Mm-hmm. But if you lived on an asteroid, it would be incredibly easy to travel through space. You could travel to another asteroid by trampoline. So, I mean, it's basically you could imagine large space cruisers traveling through space w- without taking very much fuel right. and uh, hauling huge amounts of mass. Right now, it's really difficult to get stuff up into space, but just because Earth has this gravitational pull. But once you escape that, once you start in space, it's much easier to travel around. So I think the people of the future who are already in space will kind of drive the future progression of living in space for longer, going to other places. And once you have people living on asteroid bases for long periods of time, they'll already know how to do those things. They'll probably have some kind of fusion power that they can use the water on the asteroid or the comet, more like a a comet, to produce energy and produce oxygen and then grow food and that kind of thing so that they'll be able to do that. We're not going to just grab an asteroid or a comet and convert it into a spaceship in the next 10 years. But I think that within a century for sure, we're going to have people going out and living in space permanently on asteroids and, that, and things like that. And they'll learn those skills that they need to in order to, and, and will develop the technologies. You, you don't just invent technologies and then do something. It's kind of the opposite. You always set out to do something and then figure out how the technology fills in, right? So you right. always do something at the very leading edge of what you can do, and then you fill in the technology and it creates the incentive to improve our technology. Right. Okay, now, next question. Um, and, and again, this is like I keep pulling, I'm pulling, I'm pulling sci-fi concepts out of my, yeah, yeah. Out of my hat. Uh, and I'm not wearing a hat. No. Um, <laughs> or are you? Or am I? Yeah. Um, no one can see. Uh, Space elevator. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. while we, we were talking about, you know, grabbing an asteroid. Yeah. In sci-fi. And I, I think I've, been, I've read I've read a few, you know, articles that kind of talk about, you know, the, the yeah. you know, the possible validity of doing something mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. We, you know, it talks about you need a you need a counterweight. And so like grabbing an grabbing an asteroid and using that as a counterweight. Ellie, I seriously do space know what elevator. space elevator is, yeah. but I bet some of our audience says not. Oh yeah, that's true. Okay, space elevator is in my in my crude uh, explanation, is an elevator that starts on Earth that takes you up into space, and and so that's tethered in one to one spot, uh, probably near the equator uh, or on the equator, and then goes up into space. And there's a an asteroid uh, or some kind of heavy mass object that holds that elevator uh, up, basically. And so and that and the idea of it is that it allows you to uh, to move. 
uh, people and, uh, and, and cargo and, you know, other things up uh, out of Earth's gravity and uh, into space. Um, it takes longer than a rocket ship, but it allows you to do it without a rocket ship because it's not, I mean, because it, it's a, I don't know. I mean, it's a very long elevator. 36,000 kilometers. Okay, 36,000 kilometers. So it's a really long elevator. Really yeah, it's long. not, you're not, you know, you're, if you're stuck, boy, if you're stuck with somebody coughing or farting on that elevator all the time, man, you're, 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 you're really, you're, yeah, you're going to get what they're getting. So <laughs> probably a couple days. Yeah, right up there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it has to go to geostationary orbit. Okay. Uh, which means an orbit where an object would stay above the same point on Earth all the time. Otherwise, you're going to pull your elevator apart. Right, right. Right. So that's why it's 36,000 kilometers. Yeah. So is, I mean, is that a realistic thing that we you know that, that we could do one day? I think it's theoretically possible. I yeah. think it's the question is uh, the materials. So it obviously it would snap the, the strain would snap any kind of steel or anything like that. Right. So carbon fiber nanotubes, I guess, is the idea. Yep. You would have uh, a long strand of those. But the problem is, I don't think we've been able to produce in, in sufficient quantity and quality to be able to do it. So. It, is it? It's. The, I think it, the thing is, it's theoretically possible, but it's not anything that I expect to see in the next, you know, few decades. Maybe right. in a hundred years or something like right. that will solve the challenges. That being said, uh, a space elevator to the moon is actually relatively easy to build because the gravity is so much lower, and the moon all, one side always faces Earth. One, so you could actually have a tether going down to the surface of the moon that kind of had it's a thread think of it like a thread and it could be probably like steel or some other metal like that um and it would go to the earth moon lagrange point there's a place between earth and moon that they're both pulling yeah right both the moon and, and earth have gravity mm -hmm. and they pull something towards them but if you have this tether go from the surface of the moon to past the lagrange point um it'll get pulled it'll get pulled by earth and it's also pulled by the moon so it's in tension so it's this cable that would just kind of like fly out in space and that is uh, that could be built with much less strong materials. Okay. Are they? Is that in consideration right now? Are they? Well, see, the thing is, the purpose of having a space elevator to the moon would be to transport large cargoes to the moon or, or back, right? right? Unless you have a base on the moon, there's kind of like no point right. of doing it. So right. no one's just going to build the elevator first, and then this is actually kind of what I was talking about. You have to build the base first on the moon and then maybe you'll have the technology fill in where then we decide, oh, it's kind of expensive to, to ship these supplies to the moon. So there's mm -hmm. incentive there then to create better technology then maybe we'll establish a space elevator, right? right. But you have to build the base first. Yeah, right. Right. Makes uh, sense to me. Uh, Gary? Yeah. Start building that base. No, dude, I'm already... I'm already building the base. We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta start the company. And start I'm already building the building base. The base. I, okay. just, I went to uh, IKEA and I got a I think it's called a fossil. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got yeah. two fossil logs and fastened them together. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, we don't have much more of this man's no, time. But no. I, may I ask your what is your greatest hope or desire or wish for what's happening right now in space travel? Mm. Uh, and, and just that, that field of science in general, like where do you, where would you like to see things going in your lifetime? Well, one thing is I hope we extend a lifetime so that uh, we live to see Star Trek basically, but that being said, I mean, I want to see humans on Mars basically in kind of a permanent sense. Um, but uh, I think I'd be excited by 
a lot of things in that area. And I also think they're strongly connected to, you know, improvement of technologies on Earth. And I think that uh, learning how to live sustainably on another planet is like a really important thing that kind of forces us uh, to break our procrastination and figure out how to recycle water and food and all this kind of and energy and all this kind of stuff. So I think it's it's really related to that. Just technological growth is really important. Um, so I'd like to see that and not have the robots take over. Uh, right. my, my, that. Yeah, my son is all. He, he's already. He's already said the robots are taking over. He's not afraid of it. Yeah. He's like it's it's going to happen. He's just come to this acceptance part of it. Huh. Uh, follow up question for you, knowing your geography love. How interested are you at mapping these other planets? Like you personally. Oh, that's a good question. So we have satellites that orbit Mars, spacecraft, but they're basically satellites of Mars that orbit, uh, that, that, that map the planet in excellent detail. You can actually buy a better atlas of Mars today than you could of Earth probably 100 years ago. Wow. wow. So uh, That's cool. I didn't yeah. know that. So, so me personally going around with a map and a pencil and paper is probably not the best use of anyone's time. <laughs> well, I just know you were like a geography nut. Yeah. You might yeah. Be like, well, oh, man, if I just had my yeah. pencil. Yeah. Right. Totally. Uh, I don't know why. I, I just feel like geography gives really good context. I guess it's the same reason why I like history because there's all these connections. And mm -hmm. if you understand history, then you learn something new and you fit it into the puzzle. It's a new piece and you can kind of like understand, oh, like... That's what people were thinking at the time. One thing I, uh, I think about in the book too, but just in general is humans have always been basically the same. Like we haven't changed very much at all genetically in the last hundred thousand years. And so people had the same hopes and dreams. They had just different knowledge. Mm -hmm, That's right. the only thing that was really different in the past. So I, I mean, I enjoy thinking about like what it would have been like to be a person living like 2000 years ago and what I would have known about the world. And, yeah, it's just really interesting to me. And I think that's kind of history and geography obviously are tied so closely together because geography has such an impact on history and it has an impact on human development, all these kinds of things like guns, germs, and steel. Like why did Europeans go out and conquer the world basically because mm -hmm. of geography it was like kind of an accident, mm -hmm. right? Um, so it's kind of like interesting. Right? Uh, it is interesting. Well, yeah. I think then, I think... We, we should probably t wrap this up yeah. and let you go. So let's quickly, uh, the book comes out on... November 12th, so November Tuesday, 12th. so it'll probably be out by the time you guys air this. It, yeah, by the time yeah. we air this, it will be, at, yeah, it, this is going to be out two weeks from Tuesday. So, okay, yes. so yeah, so it'll have yeah. been out. So, yeah. so people, when you, when you hear this and you're saying to myself, oh, I'd like to read this book, this sounds fascinating, you'll be able to get it. And it is so, beyond the known. Beyond the known. Exploration created the modern world and will take us to the stars by my, literally my dearest friend, Andrew Rader. Literally, <laughs> literally my dearest friend. I'm naming, I'm having a baby for his brother to be able to name Darth Rader. Well, there you go. That's how close we are. That's, you're very kind. Mm, very kind. baby, I'll make more. All right, well, now then, <laughs> you might. Uh, all right, well, then it's time, it's time then, I guess, for me to ask it. The, the ultimate question. question. Um, where can people find you on social media? Oh, Mars Raider is Twitter. I have a Facebook too, but I don't use it that much actually. Uh, the website, Andrew Raider, uh, we can get an autographed version of the book, Great. kids' book as well. Uh, there's a space game and some other things going on too. So, Fun. Yeah. And okay. wait, again, on Twitter, Mars Raider is R A D E R, like Vader with an uh, R. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, excellent. Gary, where, where uh, do people find you? At Gary A. Williams on Twitter, at Gary Anthony Williams on the Instagram. And you can find me, Elliot Blake, E-L-L-I-O-T-B-L-A-K-E, on Twitter and uh, on Instagram, at that, Elliot Blake, E-L-L-I-O-T-B-L-A-K-E. Um, this has been absolutely great. I am, I'm not sorry that the technology broke down. I love sitting around talking, holding mugs <laughs> with our iPhones and, oh, and beautiful stuff. Yeah. It's going to come out. Yeah. It'll, it'll come Literally out nothing could go wrong. No. Well, as long they, as we hit save. When we're right. Exactly. right. Yes, exactly. But, but it's, it's so, uh, you know, Elliot and I are both uh, science nerds. And so getting to talk to someone who really lives the life and walks the walk and talks the talk and is creating and doing brand new stuff all the time to enlighten and educate the world is absolutely fascinating. Yeah. So, thank uh, yeah. You for so yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah. Thank you very much. It was yeah. a pleasure. Yeah. yeah, we enjoyed it thoroughly. So, uh, folks, uh, you know now where you can find Andrew. You know where you can find Gary. You know where you can find me. You can find the show uh, on the social medias, uh, on Twitter, at Gary and Elliot. You can find us on Instagram, at Day Drinking with Gary and Elliot. You can find us on the web, Day Drinking with Gary and Elliot. Simplecast. Simplecast. I can't talk today. Simplecast.fm. You don't need to talk. I don't need to talk. Let your looks, like, let your looks do it. <laughs> All right. Here we go. I'm going to just, I'm going to let my looks tell us about the email. It's working. <laughs> uh, Daydrinking with Gary and Elliot at gmail.com. Uh, you can find my book, Great 100 Cocktails, a home bar guy's deep dive into the art of cocktail creation, uh, in print on Amazon uh, and as a digital uh, PDF on Gumroad. And uh, if you have enjoyed today's show, if you are new to the show, uh, please uh, hit that subscribe button and then also uh, give us a star rating, like we said, uh, 864 stars. Um, and uh, the other thing you can do to support the show is go visit our merch store at teespring.com backslash day drinking that's teespring.com backslash day drinking t-e-e-s-p-r-i-n-g.com backslash day drinking i've said it three times um and you can here's what you'll find there uh you'll find t-shirts with our with our show logo on it you'll find uh stickers that have our logo and my face and gary's face on there and let me tell you those are some Those good faces. Some faces. <laughs> Those are some good faces. Those are space faces. We space call faces. Them. Yep. And you can and you can put that sticker anywhere you like. You can put it on. Uh, you can put it on a t-shirt. Yep. You can put it on a book. Yep. You can bumper. put it on a, a, bumper. Bu- oh, a bumper. Oh, a bumper. A bumper. You can yeah. put it on a bumper. You can put it on a spaceship. Spaceship. Do Definitely we have put it magnets? on a spaceship. Huh? Do we have any? No, magnets? we don't have any magnets. Because we just learned a, a refrigerator magnet is way better than our stupid Earth gravity. Yeah. Well, I'm a, we're going to get some now. Yeah. So you get a coffee mug, you can get a tote bag. 100% of the proceeds uh, from that, uh, from the, those sales, go to Mothers Against Drunk Driving because we want you to, if you're going to have a drink, we want you to be uh, safe about it. Um, and uh, uh, But the way that you can help us. If, if with all that money going to Mothers Against Drunk Driving is that you're putting our logo out into the world. And when people say, hey, uh, what's that day drinking with Gary and Elliot? And that's because how, that's people, how talk. people are going to talk. All people talk. You that can way. tell us what the show. You can tell them what the show is, and then they will immediately be converts and want to listen. They will grab whatever device they listen podcasts yep. on and and uh, and find our show. So uh, I think that's it. I think we've covered it. I think we've done it all. I think we did. Uh, please get Andrew's book Beyond the Known coming out. But by the time you hear this podcast, it will be out. You'll sign it for them, apparently, somehow. Off the website, I will, for sure. Right off the website. All right, excellent. And again, everybody that follows you, you know personally. Yeah, we have a party once a year. 
That's that beautiful. is a big party. <laughs> that is beautiful. It is. Uh, thank you, dude, for being yeah, here. Yeah, thanks, Andrew. Like, thank you for putting up with the uh, the technological craziness, but thank you for sharing just freaking fascinating and fun to hear. Welcome to the future. So. I mean, it's kind of amazing that we're able to record the show on a phone. Yeah, it it's, is. Uh, it really is. New thing. Guys, if you're flying through space in a hollowed-out asteroid, <laughs> or you're just flapping your wings on some planet, or playing basketball against those horrible freaking <laughs> Martians, <laughs> and you decide to have yourself a little drink after that hard-fought game where the U.S. team beat the Martians 183 to 4. Yeah. The four were just pity points. <laughs> Please remember to have that day drink responsibly. Awesome. Day drinking.